What if the past had turned out differently? The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. I was told that playing in Green Bay was not an option. With the 24th selection in the 2005 NFL Draft, the Green Bay Packers select Aaron Rodgers, quarterback, California. And Mikowski appears hurt. Uh, Mikowski's in great pain, Ahmad. And reliable sources now tell CBS Sports that Parcells is very close to accepting a Green Bay Packers offer. Gentlemen, let me introduce to you the new head coach of the Green Bay Packers, Mr. Phil Bankston. What would the past look like? What would the future look like if? Welcome to our first ever Wednesday What If. So you're getting some bonus Green and Gold Forever this week. We had a full episode on Monday. Now it's Wednesday and you're getting uh, a What If segment all by itself. So hopefully that's exciting and perhaps this will be something we continue. I am once again joined by longtime Packer fan and now four-time consecutive host. I guess What If Wednesday would make it five. Exactly right. For Chris Zarnick. So uh, Chris, are you ready to uh, talk some 2003 and I know your fir- favorite guy to talk about. Are you ready to talk some Mike Sherman? Oh my goodness! Uh, you know, any day that I have Mike Sherman in it is a better day. <laughs> uh, that's sarcasm, by the way, in case you didn't pick that up. Well, this is going to be a great day because it's time to talk what if. So our topic on our first ever What If Wednesday is sent by our longtime fan, John Bellish, who months ago put this on the Facebook page, and we're just getting to it now. So firsthand, uh, or first of all, John, sorry that it's taken so long, but thank you for sending this great question. John asks, what if Arizona's Nate Poole didn't make the catch in Week 17 of the 2003 season that knocked the Vikes out and put Green Bay in? So here's some backstory for those of you who aren't insane like me and remember all of these things like they are names of family members. Let's hear the backstory. The 2003 Green Bay Packers entered Week 17 hoping for a miracle to continue their roller coaster season. Nothing had come easy for the Green and Gold that year. The Packers entered 2003 as a Super Bowl favorite, but through the first three months of the season, the Packers showed flashes of brilliance, but also fell victim to crucial missteps and costly errors in the clutch. After a close Thanksgiving Day loss to the lowly Lions, the Packers approached the dawn of December with a pedestrian 6-6 record and needed to win each of the remaining four games to make the playoffs for the third consecutive years. To complicate matters, their Hall of Fame quarterback Brett Favre was playing with a broken thumb on his throwing hand. The Packers were a desperate team, but they rose to the challenge. Green Bay started the month with two blowout wins over the Chicago Bears and San Diego Chargers. At 8-6, it appeared things were turning around for the Packers when tragedy struck. On the eve of their Monday night matchup at the Oakland Raiders, Brett Favre's father Irvin passed away at the age of 58. Green Bay expected to play without their leader, but Favre decided to play. While playing with a heavy heart, Favre turned in one of the most remarkable performances of his storied career. Thanks to the incredible efforts of his teammates, Favre fought back the tears and threw for 399 yards and four touchdowns, many of which seemed to defy physics and logic, and led the Packers to a 41-7 rout of the Raiders. At 9-6, the Packers seemed like a team of destiny. Unfortunately, by the time the Packers took the field in Week 17, the reality of their playoff hopes looked hopeless. Green Bay's part of the equation looked possible as they were hosting a playoff-bound Denver Broncos team that was planning on playing their backups and hardly putting up a fight. But a Packers playoff berth was out of their own control. The Minnesota Vikings were scheduled to be playing simultaneously and held an identical 9-6 record. 
If they were able to defeat the pathetic 3-12 Cardinals in Arizona, the Vikings, by virtue of a better conference record, would be NFC North champions. To make matters worse, the wildcard options were already off the table by the time the Packers game kicked off. The Seattle Seahawks had won their game on Saturday afternoon to finish 10-6, and, and earlier in the day on Sunday, the 10-5 Dallas Cowboys fell to the New Orleans Saints to also finish 10-6. Now in a potential three-way tie for two wildcard spots, the Packers' early season win over the Seahawks could not be applied as a tiebreaker. Dallas and Seattle both finished with 8-4 records in the conference. Green Bay, with their 7-5 conference record, would be left on the outside looking in. But despite the long odds, the Packers came ready to play. On the strength of Amon Green's franchise record 218 yards rushing, the Packers put Denver away early in the fourth quarter and held a comfortable 31-3 lead. Then they helplessly waited for the result to come in from out west. Unfortunately, the Vikings held a 17-6 lead with less than seven minutes to play. The Cardinals strung together a 15-play drive culminating in a fourth down touchdown pass from two yards out thrown by a stumbling Josh McCown and caught by a sliding Steve Bush an inch above the turf. Despite missing the two-point conversion, Arizona closed the gap to 17-12. Now with just two minutes remaining and only possessing one timeout, the Cardinals needed an onside kick to continue the game. Neil Racker's onside kick was deflected and landed right in the breadbasket of teammate Damian Anderson. The Cardinals were still alive. As this was unfolding, news of this potential comeback began circulating around Lambeau Field. In one of the more surreal scenes you'll ever see, the Packers finished off the Broncos 31-10 in near anonymity as the crowd turns to those with portable radios and those sitting in the skyboxes to provide play-by-play -play updates of the events in Arizona. The Cardinals' final drive started with a long pass interference penalty to put them at the Minnesota 30, but it stalled and the Cardinals were left with one desperation heave from the Minnesota 28 with just four seconds remaining. And while I could tell the story of what happens next, I think someone else could do a better job. Here it is! The season's on the line! Two receivers left and right! McCown takes the snap! He steps up! He's all by himself! Fires into the end zone! Caught! Touchdown! No! No! The Cardinals have knocked the Vikings out of the playoffs! Oh yes! Obscure wide receiver Nate Poole was able to haul in Josh McCown's Hail Mary pass, break the Vikings' hearts, and send the Lambeau crowd thousands of miles away into a frenzy. Arizona won 18-17, and the Packers clinched the NFC North for the third straight season. It seemed like a dream, but the Packers' season would continue. In the wildcard round, the Packers got an opportunity to punish the Seattle Seahawks and former head coach Mike Holmgren for nearly stealing their playoff spot. But the Seahawks would not go quietly. In one of the best games of the decade, the two teams played to a 27-27 stalemate and were forced to overtime. After winning the coin toss, Seattle quarterback and former Green Bay backup Matt Hasselbeck proclaimed that, quote, we want the ball and we're going to score, into the referee's stadium microphone. Hasselbeck made good on his promise by throwing the game-winning touchdown to Packers cornerback Al Harris. His 52-yard interception return for a touchdown sent the Packers to Philadelphia for a matchup with the top-seeded Eagles. In another slugfest, the Packers took a 14-0 lead, but the Eagles slowly chipped away and tied the game in the fourth quarter. Green Bay reclaimed the lead 17-14 with 10 minutes left. After electing to punt on 4th and 1 at the Eagles 41 with 2.30 to play, the Packers forced Philadelphia into a desperation situation. This play is known by all football fans by the down and distance, 4th and 26. 
McNabb's 32-yard pass to Freddie Mitchell continued the eagle drive, and they tied the game with 10 seconds left. In overtime, the Packers ran out of magic. Favre's first pass was intercepted, and five plays later, David Aker's field goal won the game and sent the Eagles to the NFC Championship game while ending Green Bay's dream season in the ultimate nightmare. Following the season, Mike Sherman laid much of the blame for 4th and 26 on the lack of pressure sent by defensive coordinator Ed Donatel, and Sherman fired him from his position. The Packers would move on and try to pick up the pieces. But what if the Cardinals' miracle hadn't taken place? How would the Packers have responded differently if their great season hadn't continued into the playoffs? Would Mike Sherman still have made changes to his staff? Would the Packers' draft position have changed? Would that have had ripple effects all the way up until today? What if the 2003 Cardinals hadn't defeated the Minnesota Vikings and sent the Green Bay Packers to the postseason? So that sets the stage for this what if. So one thing I do want to say is that win over the Vikings is one of my top five Packer memories in my life. We, this was a time where we lived out in the country, so our internet didn't work very well. Okay. And we didn't have Sunday ticket then. So we're just watching the Packer game and trying to figure out what's going on. And I had, I think a friend or something had called and said, you know, it's coming down. It sounds like the, the Cardinals might've won. And I'm like, well, I don't know. I don't have any information. Mm-hmm. I think they shared it on the radio, but we weren't listening. I turned to ESPN and it says Vikings 17 Cardinals 12 final. And I'm like, cause it was during the replay. Okay. So it must've just been a graphic and they're just showing the graphic forever. And they're like, wait, no, um, we're, the call's coming in now and it flicks from 12 to 18 and we just lose our minds. Matt and I in the snow, it's December 28th in Wisconsin. We run about four laps around the outside <laughs> of the house. It, it was about the greatest thing ever. So, um, I, listen, I remember when, when that play came down, I mean, it played over and over and over and over and, and Packer fans were, I think they had come to the conclusion that, you know, fine season. We turned it on late. We're just not, it, you're just not going to get it better luck next year. And uh, when that happened, uh, my brother-in-law is a huge Viking fan. Um, I think it was a uh, something that he you know, eventually has to get treated with drugs and counseling for. Um, th- cause, <laughs> I was going to say, know, who are you letting your sister hang out with? Yeah, well, I did. You know, you don't get to choose your brother-in-law, but he's super great guy. <laughs> he's super great guy. We have watched you know hundred games together. And, well, my um, soon-to-be brother-in-law is a Cowboys fan, so I know what it's like. Yeah, it uh, it doesn't get better, by the way, so enjoy <laughs> it when the Packers are good. So he and I have had this wonderful, incredible rivalry, and I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he and I were watching this in his basement. And you got to know his basement it looks like Prince's basement. I mean, it's purple <laughs> and purple and purple. And, and uh, Adrian Peterson's jersey is on the wall, and he's got a horn with helmets. Uh, he's got a helmet with horns yeah. on it and the whole schmear. And... Uh, you know, he has been tormented by the Vikings being almost good for a really long time, and he's a really diehard fan. And so when that play happened, it, it, it was hard to even, you know, you just thought can't happen, right? Sure. It's a, it's a yeah. replay. It's not going to go your way. It'll be a great story we tell. And I tell you, he came out of his chair when they did that. And I remember him throwing his Vikings hat and being so frustrated and so upset. 
and I dare not, you know, I dare not laugh, right? Because yeah. you can't enjoy somebody else's pain that way. Um, but it, it was, it was, and it was, it played over and over mm-hmm. and over and over mm-hmm. again. And I know it was a huge deal here in, uh, uh, here in Wisconsin. Absolutely. And so, um, the Packers needed Minnesota to lose because the, uh, Vikings had the, um, the tiebreaker over the Packers had they both finished 10 and six, as I described before, they had beaten Seattle earlier in the year, but because Dallas was also 10-6, and six, it makes it a three-way tie, therefore making the Packers win over Seattle irrelevant. And in that case, Seattle beats Dallas, Dallas beats the Packers in the tiebreaker and pushes the Packers to the seventh seed. So what happens here is if the Vikings win, the Packers are not a playoff team. So what does that change? Well, for one, you lose one of the most dramatic moments positively in, in the history of the team. I, I have that picture of Al Harris in my in my Packer room, as a matter of fact, with him holding up his finger running on the sideline. So like Marty McFly's siblings halfway through <laughs> Back to the Future, <laughs> that is slowly disappearing <laughs> off your wall right now. But also, it erases one of the more painful memories in yeah. the history of the Packers in 4th and 26th. But the big thing about this is 4th and 26 is not happening. And by 4th and 26 not happening, Ed Donatel, the Packers defensive coordinator, probably doesn't get fired. So for people that don't remember Ed Donatel, he wasn't the world's greatest defensive coordinator. In his four years with the Packers, they averaged about 10th in points allowed and 14th in total yards. But from 2001 through 2003, they were a top 10 defense in taking the ball away. And at one year, were even the best at it in 2002. So they were an opportunistic defense. But the point of this is, they replaced Ed Donatel with Bob Slowick. And basically, the strategy of Sherman and Bob Slowick was, 4th and 26, we should have been more aggressive, so let's play every play from now on like it's 4th down and 26. I, I remember this, and and uh, when he comes in, uh, I remember him blitzing everybody, yeah. like, like everybody, and then... Uh, if I'm not mistaken, so so correct yep, me if I'm yep. wrong, but I'm not mistaken. We're watching it, and the first game, the Packers just destroy some team, and we're blitzing everybody. We get a bunch yep. of sacks, the and then we play the NFC Bears. Champion, the, and the defending NFC champion Carolina Panthers in Carolina on Monday Night Football, and the defense works great, tears them to shreds. Exactly right. And then either the next game or the game after we play the Bears, and the Bears have seen this uh, this defense – and you know, if there's one thing that uh, that you know about blitzing is that the play that was designed to blow up blitzing was trap uh, mm-hmm. trap block. Mm-hmm. And if you you know you've got eight guys at the line of scrimmage and you pop the line of scrimmage, you're going to run a long way. And if I remember correctly, that defense got figured out pretty quickly by the Bears. Yeah. So the Bears did okay. The Bears had been historically bad in the early 2000s. They had started Cordell Stewart in 2003. And I think the year before that, um, they had started Craig Krenzel. I mean, they just were a dismal offense. And they beat the Packers at Lambeau for the first time. Uh, Well, they had beaten them a few years before, but the Packers had owned the Bears since Mm -hmm. Brett Favre had gotten there. So any loss to the Bears anywhere was a shock. So they lose to the Bears. The offense doesn't play the greatest, but they move the ball better than we thought. The next week, they go to Indianapolis. Peyton Manning scores five touchdowns, throws up 45 points, outscores Brett Favre 45-31, to 31, but it's Peyton Manning, whatever. The next week, they couldn't stop Tiki Barber to save their lives. At home, again, Brett leaves with a concussion, the Packers lose, and then the straw that broke the camel's back is you had the Tennessee Titans, who were a pretty bad team that year, with Chris Brown, if you remember him, running all over them. Oh my goodness, yeah. They lose at home 48-27. to And so Packers start 1-4. And, and so eventually... 
things change. Sherman, I think, takes over the play calling. They turn into a dynamic offense. But they finished defensively in 2004, 23rd in points, 25th in yards, 31st in takeaways. And this is the year where Donald Driver and Javon Walker each have like Pro Bowl caliber seasons. Uh-huh. Javon Walker, 1,400 yards receiving. Amon Green is Amon Green. Brett Favre has 30 touchdowns, 4,000 yards. If you have a better than 23rd defense that's 25th in yards and 31st in takeaways, what does that do to that 2014? Well, right, you don't even have you don't have to be great. You just have to be uh, in the you know in the top half. And if you look at um, Donatell's uh, record before that, mm-hmm. you, just like you mentioned, he's in the top half. He's number yeah. 10 or he's number 12. And um, you know the the trouble with a pressure defense is that pressure defenses are predicated on. We're going to get there, and if we don't, you know, they might get a couple of plays, but we'll get a couple of plays as well. Well, as soon as you figure that out, if you don't have a backup plan, if you can't fall back into cover two, if you can't fall back into, you know, single deep safety or something like that, if that's what you live and die by, and somebody figures out, you die a lot. And I believe that was their solution that they tried after that is they had that disastrous one and four starts. And I, you said the cover two, I think they just played cover two the rest of the year. Okay. The problem is your defensive backs are Ahmad Carroll and Joey Thomas. And you have a terrible, Cletus Hunt is your star, most highly paid oh my defensive lineman. You have a young Aaron Campman, but he's not doing much. So they're sitting back in cover two and the offense picks up and they're able to beat bad teams, but they're giving up a lot of points. That's the year where uh, Donovan McNabb, pulverize them in Philadelphia, I think, 47-17. Right. You know, I wonder if Cletus Hunt still sends Mike Sherman a Christmas card, like a gold-plated <laughs> Christmas card every year because, uh, boy, oh, boy, that was um, that was one misplaced uh, uh, hope. He had that crawl, though. Yeah, know? oh, it was super cool. Yeah, right. Yeah. After he made his three plays each year. <laughs> so the thing that's interesting about the Packers is in 2004, even with this disastrous defense, they go 10-6. and six. And looking at the way the standings played out, the Packers, if they get one more win, they would have been the two seed rather than the three seed. I'll be darned. So they get they get a bye? They get a first-round bye. Atlanta would then go from the three to the two. And they play at home. They play at home. And if the playoffs go the same way, they would have played the St. Louis Rams in the second round, which... They well now you have the Vikings in the first round instead of the um or uh, the Vikings are playing a different game but if we just keep following that that Vikings probably don't beat Atlanta or oh let me take that back down if the Vikings don't beat Atlanta then the Packers play Atlanta at home which of course they had struggled with but in 2005 with a better Atlanta or with a, with the same Atlanta team and a much worse Packer team. The Packers dominated the Falcons down at the Superdome. Right. So, so perhaps the Packers are winning a game in 2000, and now they're in the 2004 NFC Championship game, albeit at the Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, it, it's funny how one, uh, you know, and, and to find one game that you win if you go from 23rd or 25th in defense to, let's just say, 15. Yeah. You know, that's probably worth two wins yeah. uh, along the way, especially if your offense is scoring points. Um, and, you know, once you get to that point where you're so committed to a defense, the, the trouble is, the real trouble is, if you start outscoring people, 
you stop tinkering with your defense because sure. you start thinking, you know what, well, we're going to score up 31 points. All we have to do is hold them to 28. And I always believed as a coach that the magic number was 17. Mm-hmm. Here's what I mean by that. That it was the responsibility of the offense to score 17 points or more, mm-hmm. and it was the responsibility of the defense to hold the – uh, the other team to 16 points or less, okay. right? And so for me, when, you know, everyone's going, well, who's doing their job? Who's not doing their job? Well, if you're scoring 31 points and you've got an average defense, you should be winning virtually every game. Mm-hmm. And if you're, you're, you know, if you're in a stretch where you're in shootouts and you're only going, you know, three and four or three and three, um, the, the, you, you stop. You know, the miracle offense takes all the attention away from the bad defense, and people start pointing to, well, if we had made that play, if, well, no, if you didn't have to score 31 sure, points to sure. win a game, you wouldn't you wouldn't be thinking about one or two plays. Well, and looking back at the Packers, if you use 17 as that uh, mark, they had only four games where they scored fewer than 17, and two of those were 16. Mm-hmm. So perhaps... Then maybe you're talking a 12 and four. The Eagles, I think, were 13 and three, and that's with basically conceding the final two games. Right. So they're going to Philadelphia in the second round, or I mean, in the, in the championship game. But see, what's interesting is I wonder the Packers have a better defense. The Eagles are better, but the Packers' offense is better than in 2003. What happens if fourth and twenty six is a conference championship game instead of a divisional round oh game? Oh boy, I, you know that, that hurts. Uh, my soul as far a as bit. the knife is pushed into our heart with fourth <laughs> and twenty six, now we would be, uh, you know, we'd be talking about another meltdown like we we talk about with Seattle, and so it just becomes more painful. So, I'll, so I know um, I'm asking you to kind of draw on some some older things, but this was the Terrell Owens year, so a pretty big year for Philadelphia. Um, is there any chance that that Packer team? With perhaps without Ahmad Carroll, which we'll get to later, is able to beat that Philadelphia team in Philadelphia. Boy, you know, Philadelphia, uh, there was a time during that early 2000s where if we went to Philadelphia, you just chalked it up as a loss. Um, You know, I'd I'd like to think as a homer that you win, but but they really had, when you had Donovan McNabb and you had, um, you know, that very dynamic offense and Terrell Owens was kind of in his prime. Um, this is a good football team, mm-hmm. and and their defense is a good football team as well. So my fear is that you know this is one of those games that you lose, you know, twenty eight twenty four. I think you have a tough time there. Absolutely, yeah. I, I don't think they're going to beat Philadelphia, and if they would have beaten Philadelphia, they're playing one of Belichick's best teams in the Super Bowl. So there's no way we can give a Super Bowl to the two thousand four Packers, and uh, the two thousand three and two thousand four drafts had been completely void of talent for the Packers. So I'm thinking that even if they go to a conference championship game um, in two thousand four, they still didn't make it in two thousand three. So if they have the disastrous four and twelve season in two thousand five. A, it probably cost Mike Sherman his job, but Ted Thompson still probably, even with Mike Sherman going to the NFC title game, probably Mike Sherman still gets let go as the GM at least because that the NFC, one of the reasons the Packers would have potentially been a two-seed with an 11-5 record, is the NFC, NFC stunk and everybody knew it. Yeah, and you know, as long as – you know, Mike Sherman, I think uh, – uh, well, first of all, Brett Favre is running that team at yeah. the time. So, so if you're the head coach, you're you're basically taking the orders from your quarterback, or at least that's what it seemed like from the outside. There's a lot of reporters who have said the same. Yeah, and so you take away the the general manager's role. I, listen, I don't think you fire Sherman. Anybody gets to the conference championship, you don't get fired. But, but the GM role still probably gets stripped. Oh, from. I'm I'm telling you, I, you know, I really struggle. When's the last time that really worked well? 
Um, well, Bill Belichick. But. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. So you, 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 got one, you got one guy who's an absolute genius, and then the rest of the people who get it. Yeah, yeah and the modern – it seems like a lot for a modern coach to do. Like, Bill Belichick somehow finds a way, but, I mean, it's a pretty short list of guys. And there's a lot of incredibly talented guys like Mike Holmgren who have tried it. And great coach, and yeah. then you add the general manager on top when he goes to uh, when he goes to Seattle, and you know it, you just you can't serve two masters, and you can't both have the intricate details. And see, here's where it really comes to, to fruition: you can't have the intricate details and the skills to understand the intricate details of a of a. Uh, uh, an offensive game plan, mm-hmm. and also it's very difficult if, if, if that's your gift, that yeah. your to have the vision, the thirty thousand foot view vision. And so sure. I, I think Belichick is extraordinarily rare. So we're saying Mike Sherman gets to the conference championship game in two thousand four. They still lose to the Philadelphia mm-hmm. Eagles. That's my guess. Probably I, I said the fourth and twenty six, but I would think the Eagles, with how good they were in two thousand four, they probably run away from the Packers, and so it's not even a close game. Mm-hmm. I think Mike Sherman, because of how bad it was clear that his, he was as a drafter by then, I think they still put Ted Thompson as the general manager. But here's where we get nuts. So I read the draft previews for the Green Bay Press-Gazette. The Packers, by not winning the division, instead of picking 25th in the 2004 draft, they will pick 19th or 20th. So according to the Green Bay Press-Gazette, there was – a player that the Packers were targeting more than anyone else, J.P. Lossman, oh to be goodness. their quarterback of the future. The reason they didn't get him is they picked 25th rather than 20th. They were poised to select him. The Buffalo Bills, who had drafted Lee Evans at 13th, they're like, we have a receiver of the future. Now we need our quarterback to the future. They traded a ton to get to 22 and draft J.P. Lossman. From the sounds of both pre-draft and post-draft in the Green Bay Press-Gazette at the time, they were going to take J.P. Lossman as their quarterback of the future. So now my question is, how bad could he have been in one year as a backup quarterback to make Ted Thompson select Aaron Rodgers? No, I, I don't think that happens. I think when you have, uh, when you have a backup quarterback and uh, he doesn't see the field that much, um, he plays in the preseason, and if he if he's bad in the preseason, we go well. It's the preseason. And he's playing with the twos. And he's playing with the threes. It's understandable. And um, you know, uh, Aaron Rodgers. Is, is is sitting there at the exact right place and the exact right time for us. But if you've already uh, invested a first rounder in your quarterback, you don't go there. I, I don't. I don't think you end up with Aaron Rodgers. That's that's pretty brilliant, actually, Eric. I didn't think that through, but um, I think that changes the course of history. So now you have J.P. Lossman as your quarterback, and. I think from you know I'm not a J.P. Lossman expert, but I know everybody at the time talked to him. And he was kind of a cocky guy that he was compared to Brett Favre a lot. So my thought is, you know, Aaron Rodgers w- was cocky too, but there's no doubt in anybody's mind how, how prepared he was, and he really seemed to be in sync with what Mike McCarthy was doing. So let's even say that I, I don't think Aaron Rodgers being the quarterback instead of J.P. Lossman really changes Mike McCarthy becoming the coach in 2006, assuming that the Packers, after a conference championship loss, still stink in 2005. So now – we go through everything as it is. You have the 2007 season, and J.P. Lossman is your quarterback instead of Aaron Rodgers. 
they don't encourage Favre to leave. Do they play the same hardball? No, I, I think they absolutely not. I, I think you'd have a by that time you're three you're three years in, and you know exactly what you have. Mm-hmm. It's too late to draft somebody. Uh, you know, Favre's a hero because remember, even with Aaron Rodgers in there, the the, the Green Bay and Wisconsin went crazy mm-hmm. when they found I mean, when he retired. Everybody cried well, when they found out that he kind of got nudged out the door or helped out the door. Uh, you know, this state went crazy with the stories of mm-hmm. of young kids, you know, yelling horrible <laughs> obscenities at Aaron Rodgers. And and me personally, it felt like a good percentage. I was younger, so you know, I was I was twenty one at the time. So you tend to gravitate towards the the younger stuff. Mm-hmm. Sure. I was I, I wanted Rodgers to get a chance because I didn't feel like it was his fault. And you know, the future is limited with Favre. I'm like, I would rather take the chance that Brett Favre is going to have three good years with somebody else than Aaron Rodgers have 15 with somebody else. Mm-hmm. So that right. mine was kind of a risk assessment. But personally, I knew a ton of Packer fans that were actively rooting against the Packers for the next three years. How about you? Wow. Uh, because they let him go? Yeah, because they let Favre go. Yeah, I think there, I think I knew some some really hardcore people um, who, who did that. But the, for, for the most people, uh, I, I think their frustration, when, when Favre went to a non-competitive team or went to a team outside of our conference, mm-hmm. they kind of went, okay, well, this, 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 this story ends a lot like this. this we this, can you know, for both. Um, um, Montana ends up with the Chiefs and... Um, Nameth with the Rams. Yeah, exactly right. John Hale with the Packers. <laughs> yeah. uh, so so I, I think there wasn't a lot of anger until until he came back here. And by that time, Aaron Rodgers is starting to show some stuff. and. Yeah. Um, so I think it worked out that way. Uh, all I know is that when people thought it was Favre's choice, they were sad but fine. Yeah. And then when that, uh, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers, who was the ultimate pro, yeah. the ultimate professional going through what he did and, and never said a bad word about Favre, never said a bad word about the fans, um, I think that, that made it easier to get behind him, even with all the stuff that was going on. So now you have a guy who might not be that total professional, and J.P. Lossman might not be any good. So then I think what happens is Mike McCarthy allows Brett Favre to come back. They have to almost to save sure. face. They don't have a plan. And so for me, if maybe it never goes that far down the road, and maybe they don't take that hard-line stance and say, all right, Favre, you're, you're not – because Favre, I, I don't necessarily believe his account, but on the timeline, which that came out a couple years ago, mm-hmm. which we did a sneak peek review of at the time, Favre really made it sound like, sounded like they wanted him to leave. And so as soon as they got the option and he said, well, I'm not, if, if I had to make the choice today, I'm not going to come back, that they basically called the press conference and bought him I, that's a plane what, That's what I understand happened as well. So I doubt that happens if J.P. Lossman's your backup quarterback. So maybe all this stuff that happens in the media happens behind closed doors. It's a far less fracturous relationship. Then my question is this. The 2009 Packers were really good. So now Brett Favre's not a Viking, and the 2009 Packers quarterback is Brett Favre, who had his best year ever in wow. 2009. Wow, wow. So maybe you don't get a career of Aaron Rodgers, but do you win the Super Bowl one year early with Brett Favre as your quarterback, solidify him as one of the even more greatest of all time, and then, unfortunately, who knows where you are in 2017, but you still get your second Super Bowl. 
That's fast, boy, Eric. That's what. That's why these uh, these segments are so amazing because the one thing leading to other, and that's a really logical thing. Because listen, there's no way you let Favre. You certainly don't push him out the door, and there's no way you let him retire if you know the guy behind him is going to be bad. Uh, and and you know, so so the other question though is, was Favre that good and that motivated because he was he was in the division playing against the Packers? Great question. You know. Uh, or is he the the you know the Farb that throws the you know the the interception to the to the uh, Eagles? Yeah. Well, uh, they still did that in Minnesota too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Actually, you know what's really funny about that is is uh, just off the topic a little bit. I told you my my brother-in-law is a Vikings fan, huge Viking fan, and I got to tell you, he was poking fun at me like nobody's business. He had a Farb jersey, a Vi- Farb's Vikings jersey, and then when he threw that interception in the uh, in the championship game, I just sent him a text and I said. You know, welcome to the club. Like this is <laughs> this is really what you get. You, you know, you you haven't been. You, you know, you it wouldn't have been a complete Favre experience if you had just won with him. If he didn't break your heart, you wouldn't have really had the Favre experience. So um, that's my favorite part about that season is they literally got the perfect Favre experience crammed into one season. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the highs, the lows, the interceptions, the touchdowns, the miracle plays, and ultimately an ill-timed throw back over the middle where he's trusting his arm, thinking he's better than everybody else, and nobody else can pick him off, and there you go. A total disappointment. So, yeah, that's that's great to hear. So uh, you, you have to kind of wonder if that still doesn't happen except in a Packer uniform rather than a Viking uniform because he had done it so many times. It's hard to believe – you, it's hard to imagine him putting it all together, um, unless, of course, you know that that Viking defense was okay, but that Packer defense the first couple of years under Dom are really good. Maybe B.J. Raji saves him with a pick six. Sure. Aaron Rodgers played terrible in that that NFC Championship game in 2010. So I, I you know, I think because uh, you think about the 2009 Packers is the year right before they win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. They're they're ascending. They're yeah. coming up. Um, and and you know they don't uh, you know they don't quite have the experience and expertise to get them over the hump. I, so I got to tell you, it's a great what if. Um, I'm pretty happy with the way it turned oh, out because sure. even with one more Super Bowl, you know, then do you get do you get the Super Bowl in uh, in 2010? And well, let's say you get it in 2009, and Favre, like a 40 year old quarterback, completely nose dives in 2010 after he comes back to try to defend it, or he doesn't come back. Mm-hmm. Either way, then you're stuck with J.P. Lossman or whatever else crud you got along the way as your quarterback so then in 2011 if you totally tank cam newton's your quarterback oh my now gosh. In green bay okay so now that's a deep dive that's but, pretty cool <laughs> well absolutely we're, we're seven years beyond where it is right now <laughs> but if you're not the worst team in the league your quarterback's probably blaine gabbert or one of those christian ponder oh, one of those my other goodness. 2011 guys yikes if you can maybe leg it to 2012, then you got Andrew Luck, then you got Russell Wilson, you got all those guys, RG3, I know his career didn't quite pan out, Ryan Tannehill. Uh-huh. You have some at least serviceable guys. So it'd be interesting to see if Brett Favre crashes and burns in 2010, who's your quarterback? I don't even want to speculate. Aaron Rodgers, I guess, would maybe be the Raiders' quarterback because that they wanted to maybe pick him. Or Redskins were going to pick him if the Packers didn't. Yeah, and we're not um... – you know, we're not the kind of team that would trade for a quarterback either. We're, no. we're not that. You know, we're already into the draft and develop kind of era there. Um, and we've been there for uh, a long time, but mm-hmm. we're deeply involved in the draft and develop area. So um, we're, we're not a good, uh, you know, we're not as good a football team. And, and this whole, you know, build around Aaron Rodgers and build the offense around Aaron Rodgers and then, 
Um, you know, none of that, none of that stuff happened. So I, listen, I, I, I would love a Super Bowl in 2009, but the Super Bowl in 2010, the way it turns out, leads us potentially to more Super Bowls in yeah. the next two or three years, and that's um, that's something really cool to look forward to. Yeah, uh, I think the actual timeline is much, much better, but it certainly is a fun little thought experiment for hardcore Packer fans. I hadn't thought it through quite that far, man. I'm <laughs> telling you, you went to like the fourth level there. Th- this is what if, man. I mean, Inception's got nothing on what if. <laughs> We're going seven <laughs> levels if we have to. So here in 2017, I think I hope Cam Newton uh, is going to be okay for the Packers. They shouldn't have fired Mike McCarthy so <laughs> soon but you know i think jay gruden it might be able to tame cam newton and get the pack back on top. oh my gosh wake me i'm having a nightmare <laughs> yeah absolutely so if you enjoyed this segment if you're new to what if um definitely um go in the archives uh, we have tons of other what if segments talking about a lot of these different scenarios particularly in this time frame because really the drafting of rogers the Favre leaving the team is really a big time fork in the road for the history of the Packers and we're pretty lucky that they took a really good path that leaves us to where we are today but I'm sure that you have some ideas for what ifs and I know our longtime fans definitely have ideas for what ifs we have some pending on the Facebook page that we'd like to get to but we're always looking for more so if you have any ideas definitely uh Post them on the Facebook page, Green and Gold Forever Podcast on Facebook. Tweet them at us, Green Gold Forever. That's the number four, the the, the number of the quarterback who won two Super Bowls for the Packers, Brett Favre, um, in this crazy timeline. In this crazy timeline. Okay, all right, thank you. <laughs> uh, you can also email them at us, uh, greenandgoldpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, for our complete archives, including our um, our Monday shows that recap the game, we just talked about the, uh, the win over Seattle back on Sunday. You can do so by um, visiting the website, greengoldforever.podbean.com, or you can listen on the Podbean app, which gives you the complete archives, and you can go all the way back to 2012 when we were doing What If Left and Right. And also uh, follow us on the iTunes app if that's your preferred app for podcasting. And if you do, please rate, uh, rate, subscribe, and leave a review if you're so inclined. So, Chris, I think we lucked out a little bit that this I, didn't happen. Yeah, I, I think so, too. And, and I'm going to tell you, this is a really fun segment to do so so i would really love it if our uh, if our listeners would just would you know take a look at history and, and what really helps is, is take a look at history that's already hi- historic for some reason and then just you know make some change in it but uh, i'll tell you between eric and i we will research this thing <laughs> to about the you know about the seventh level and uh, this is really fun to do so yeah. I'm, so i'm grateful to be part of it and really grateful for the question absolutely so thanks john uh, john bellish a longtime fan a great contributor to what if and also thank you to your 2003 bronco that basically laid over and played dead for the Packers to be able to clinch a division <laughs> title back in 2000. I never thought I'd say thank you, Bronco. <laughs> yeah, so uh, thanks, everyone, for listening, and thanks for joining us for the very first What If Wednesday. Enjoy the rest of the week.